0: Today we're going to continue in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're at. And you can follow along on your chair or close to you, there should be a, a note sheet to track with us today. If you're online at lifechurchmh.com, you should be able to download this, our Facebook page, MH, uh, Life Church MH Facebook page, you can find it there as well. Pastor Bob is on an airplane and he's on his way back today. It'll be good to have him back, so <clears throat> we're excited. So I had a dream last week. Everybody say, uh-oh. <laughs> I dreamt that I was in um, in the house. I go into the walk-in closet, and, um, and, and let me preface this dream. At my house, we have something terrorizing the lawn and burrowing under the shed and coming underneath our deck, and it's a woodchuck. And this isn't the first time they visited my property. Every year, I have a new woodchuck that comes. And I know it's new for certain reasons. But... <laughs> But the woodchuck comes, and and doggone it, every year. So I, I'm in my dream. I go into the, my walk-in closet. Uh, I don't know how this works because I'm on, our house is a second floor walk-in closet. But I'm in my walk-in closet, and all of a sudden I see one of those holes right in the wall there with a little bit of dirt coming out of the wall. I thought, this thing burrowed right up through my house. <laughs> it got into my second floor floor. Closet. I'm looking at the hole here and I see dirt. I'm like, oh. As I come out of the closet, I'm like, Cassie, this woodchuck, the ground, I think it's got into our closet. And I come back into the closet, it's just me again. I'm looking, and then all of a sudden I see a little bit of dirt kind of coming out of it. And I'm, oh, is it like in here right now? It's close quarters in this closet. And all of a sudden something starts coming out, and I'm, I'm backing up. You know what it was? An aardvark. It was an aardvark. And I thought that thing would be afraid of me. I thought it would scurry back in, but no, it comes out, and it's kind of coming closer to me, and oh, my word. I didn't expect an aardvark to come out of my, a hole in the wall of my closet. Didn't expect that. God does not want us to be caught off guard regarding the end of time and his return. That's what we're going to look at right now. Eight truths about the day of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Let's read that entire passage. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when I say... (laughs) For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, We should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. We're excited because your word gives us knowledge and wisdom and strength. We praise you, Lord, that you did not leave us as orphans, but you provided us with your word and with your Holy Spirit, Lord, both present in this room with us today. We submit ourselves to you, Lord, and we are excited. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 and verse 2 again says, But concerning the times and seasons, Greek words there are chronos and kairos, times especially viewed in sequence or succession of moments, progression, seasons, kairos, the fitting season, the appointed time, the proper time specifically, so, the, so you have, concerning the times and seasons, the progression and the sequence of things coming up, and the exact proper time, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. No need that I should write to you. Why no need? This is the second time, two weeks ago, when we were in First Thessalonians, he said, brothers, I have no need to write to you uh, concerning brotherly love, because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And here again, he says, I have no need to, that I should write to you But he's reminding them, and it's a good thing that he did, and it's a good thing because we're reading it right now. It's a good reminder for us that Jesus' return, number one in your notes, is certain. It is certain. No question that the Lord is going to return. As lightning flashes from east to west, you won't miss it. The Lord will descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with a trumpet blast. Um... But the specific time, the specific hour is unknown to us. Subpoint A, God knows the time. Subpoint B, we do not know the time. Say, I'm not God. I don't know everything. No, me neither. Church, do you understand that the timing of the Lord's return will appear to be sudden and unexpected? Sudden and unexpected. The world. The Thessalonians knew perfectly about this um, because it's throughout the Scriptures, all the Old Testament, Amos, Joel, into the New Testament, talking about the Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord. In fact, in Acts seventeen thirty-one, Paul or <clears throat> Luke is writing. For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. If you look way B.C., back in the book of Joel, it's repeated in Acts, um, but it's the same thing in Joel. Let's, look, let's read it in Acts 2, 17 through 21. It shall come to pass in the last days... I will show my wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse number two in your notes from our text says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That phrase, day of the Lord, it's a huge phrase, like I mentioned, throughout Scripture. It's the final time, it's where justice happens, it's where judgment is brought. When the God of all the earth balances the scales on earth, it's a day of reckoning. Have you ever um, opened the fridge and you find something in the back and it has mold on it? And you're like, we need to clean this thing out. And so everything that's expired, everything that has mold on it, goes in the garbage can and everything that's still good is there, left in the fridge. The day of the Lord is a day when God cleans out the fridge, it's judgment day for the world. God is going to clean house, and number two, in your notes, the day of the Lord is a time of judgment. When we say day of the Lord, a lot of biblical scholars, some of them see that as a 24-hour period. Uh, a lot of biblical scholars see that as a period or an age, a span of time, The day in the day of the Lord, meaning during the time or the period of the end when Jesus returns during that time period. Some people uh, see it that way. He will come as a thief in the night. Um, How many of you have ever been robbed? No, I'm, you've been robbed of something, so a fair, fair amount. That is an awful feeling. You know, if you've been robbed before, it's so very startling to realize that something happened without you being aware of it. Uh, so shocking, you're so caught off guard, you feel so vulnerable. The reality of what's happened. What are you laughing about? Oh, yep, <laughs> yep. So we saw that picture a couple of weeks ago. But a helplessness feeling. Very startled and very helpless. That is a bad feeling. And that is the feeling that many will have on the return of Christ. Don't be mistaken when, when Scripture says that he comes as a thief in the night. It's not because... God's the bad guy. He doesn't come as, as a bad guy thief, but it's the element of surprise and the helplessness that people will feel when he comes is why it's, why it, why it's mentioned that way, that he comes as a thief in the night. Imagine uh, a notorious villain in his hideout, right, guilty of murder, guilty of all these things, and all of a sudden, unbeknownst to him, there is um, a raid. The cop's have a lead, and all of a sudden they bust in the hideout, bust in the doors, and it's judgment day. And the notorious thief would say, they come on me like a thief. But the thief is justice. And um, God is coming as a judge. Jesus is coming as a judge with proper authority, rightful authority. <clears throat> and this will happen in verse 3. Verse 3 in your notes, when they say, peace and safety, Peace and safety, everything's good. Things are looking up. The future of earth is bright. Then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They, these people, will not escape. Peace and safety, they'll be saying. We'll probably have even, we're already kind of a one world government in many, many ways. It'll become more so. Let's look at, in the scripture, Matthew 24, 36 through 44. Jesus is talking right here, and he says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage... Until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know that the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched. And not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, as in the days of Noah, God often works in this way, where He will establish or foreshadow things for us, or there will be events in in the history that are for our benefit and are a precursor, like a partial fulfillment or foreshadowing of what's going to happen on a larger scale. Or again in another time. And and so it is here with the days of Noah. Like the days of Noah, point three. You can read about that in Genesis chapter six. There is no, sub point A, there's no rewind. There's no rewind. People had days and weeks and months and years to hear the preaching of Noah. To turn their hearts toward God. But it said that there was nothing, there was not one bit of, Anything good in any person during that time period of history, apart from Noah and and his family, their every inclination and every motive and every thought at all times always was always wrong and for bad. There was nothing; they had seared themselves from any relationship with God. They cut themselves off permanently from any contact any beckoning any reasoning that god could offer them so what was left except the destruction of the wicked subpoint b it's a steady progression so all of a sudden the sky lets loose the heaven lets heavens let loose the rain when i say heavens i'm talking atmosphere rain starts coming down like they've never seen it. And the floodgates open and water coming up from the earth. And I don't know how long it took, how many hours or days or weeks for this water to rise to a certain point where it covered the entire earth. But there was no rewind. And it was a steady progression. And subpoint C, the day of the Lord will be the beginning of doom for the wicked. Beginning of doom for the wicked. Let's read some more passages that will expand this picture for us. Let's look at Matthew 24, same chapter, just a little bit earlier. Verses 29 through 31. Jesus was talking here. He was talking about towards the end of time, there's going to be a level of persecution that's going on for Christians. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Can you imagine that? They will see the sign of the son of man coming. So it's kind of a precursor almost. He's coming and all of a sudden they realize there's no rewind. There's a steady progression happening here. And it means doom. A lot going on. Wow. Let's look at another passage Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. I looked when he opened the sixth seal. The Apostle John was writing of the future as God showed him. He's prophesying as to what the end would look like and what it would be. I looked and he opened up the sixth seal. This follows five previous seals. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Quake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken with the mighty wind. We know all about mighty wind here in Wisconsin today. I was shaken like a mighty fig tree. (laughs) Verse 14, then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up. Imagine that, the sky receding like a scroll, just rolling up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, think of all the confident people, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus is known as the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. The significance there was of um, sac- sheep sacrifices in the Old Testament, spotless, innocent lamb being slaughtered on behalf of the people's sins. It was a sign or a symbol of their repentance and this lamb dying in their place. When Jesus came to earth, um, John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world all the prophecies, all the foreshadowings concerning Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and I to take our sin upon himself, pay for our sin debt, overcome sin and darkness and death and the grave. But if you are not a believer in Christ, if you've rejected the mercies and graces of God, if you are rebellious, if you do not admit your sin or acknowledge your sin but you justify your sin or you deny your sin if you're in that category of people you won't be excited when the lamb of god comes you will you will run to caves and mountains and you will say fall on me hide me from the wrath of the lamb because there's nothing left if you reject mercy and grace and love and forgiveness of god there is nothing left but judgment and that will be a day of doom the beginning of doom I, on Friday morning, uh, sat on my couch, and I watched the sun rise. And before I saw the sun, I saw the dawn. Dawn began at 7.11 a.m. And so there was light and beautiful, beautiful uh, sky with some clouds. And then about 7.41, about a half an hour later, I started to see the sun coming up. The dawn and then the full arrival of the sun. When they see the sign of man, or when they see the Lamb of God on the throne coming in power and glory, it's going to be an aha moment, the dawn, so to speak, of what is coming. Verse three in your notes, for when they say, peace and safety. And you know, it might be peace and safety for the world, but it might be difficult times for Christians. They might be, ah, oh, finally, finally, we'll get rid of these Christians. Right? And now we can live how we want to live and do what we want to do. Right? We'll have tolerance for everything except for truth. We'll have tolerance for everything we want to do and everything we desire with no ramifications, no consequences. We'll ignore and pretend that no consequences exist. We'll live our own lives. We'll be our own God. We don't need God. Or if there is a God, the God will be that of humanity, or some God that tells them everything they want to hear and gives them everything they want to have. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. I always feel so bad whenever I read these types of, when my wife's pregnant and then we read these verses... And I know there's about four ladies that, that I know of right now that are pregnant in this room. And God is with you. And his grace is with you. <laughs> but it's, everybody knows. It's such a, it's such a process. And, um, and he's talking here about the inevitability of when labor pains begin, there's no rewind. Right? There's a steady progression. Not towards doom <laughs> for us. But it feels like it sometimes. I know, I've been through. No, I don't know. I know, secondhand. Two starts. There's the start of labor, and then there's the full arrival of the baby. These people, they shall not escape. Those who do not love God, just as in Noah's day, they shall not escape. In Noah's day, they could run for higher ground but it didn't matter. There's no ground high enough to escape. In labor, you know, you can take deep breaths. You can change positions. We've been through that. Like, there's no position that feels great. It doesn't matter. You're breathing. Doesn't... When you read about the day of the Lord, you know what's implied here. It's throughout Scripture. It's talking about a day of judgment when Jesus comes. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Number four, verse four, I should say. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Hey, this day is not going to overtake us as a thief. If our faith is in Jesus, this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Number four in your notes, God's people need not Fear. Thank you, Jesus. we are children of the light we are children of the day those who are in Jesus those who have placed their faith in Jesus when you do that God puts Jesus' God, very spirit comes into us so we're in Christ our faith is in Christ and his spirit is in us powerful we have the light of life in us. Have you ever been in, um, in, a, in a cave before? Go ahead and raise your hands. Let's participate. Have you been in a cave before? Some of us have never been in a cave. When you were in a cave, did they ever do the cool thing where they said, okay, now we're in the, the heart of the cave. We're going to turn the lights out. and Everybody's like, oh, what's that going to be like? And, and if you've never been there, I, I have a picture for you. That's that's actually not a very good picture. It's much darker than that. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. You're looking like that at your fingers. You can't see your fingers. It is the darkest dark. You can't get that dark above the earth. In your bedroom in the middle of the night with all your shades pulled, you can't get that dark. It's so dark. And imagine you are in a cave like that, And you're with uh, three friends, and, and it is dark, completely dark. And you're alone. And now you have to find your way out. Not good. That's that same sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And you know what? That is a picture for us of the spiritual darkness of those who are apart from God, are separated from God. Humankind, we're cut off from God by our own sin. He's a holy God, he's a good God. We're cut off from him. We are in darkness. Utter darkness. Utter darkness. The world lives in darkness, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. Imagine you're in that cave with three three guys And one of the guys pulls out the flashlight and a map. Right? Now you're like, we win. We win. We're getting out of here. We're alive. We're free. That hopeless feeling is gone, it's been replaced with hope. And Dave Ogren spoke all about that last week hope. Man, Jesus Himself is the light of the world, He's the way out of spiritual darkness. What, we sang a song about Jesus being the light just today. What, how'd that go? Someone start me and I'll finish it. He is the light shining in the darkness. He is the hope. Boom. Man. Let's look at some scriptures that talk about that. Let's look at John 1, 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that, through, that all through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, that's Jesus, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, to the Jewish people, and his own did not receive him, not the majority. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. That would include you and I and every person. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's called being born again. We're all born of blood, right? Flesh, water, so forth. Born of the spirit. Jesus said of himself in John chapter twelve, forty-six. he said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. when Saul, who had been a persecutor of Christians, suddenly had a moment where he recognized who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah, and he changed 180, Saul of Tarsus, his name was even changed to Paul, put his faith in Christ, and Jesus sent him to preach the gospel to many nations. Acts 26, 18, Jesus sending Paul to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God so desires to save every single person. He's the light of the world. Jesus conquered sin, darkness, death on the cross. He died for your sins, my sins. He rose from the dead to prove it. Those who acknowledge their sinfulness receive forgiveness from Jesus. They will not perish, but they will have eternal life. Again, God's people need not fear. Verse 6 in your notes, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Brothers and sisters of the light and of the day, we are to stay alert in your notes And clear headed. It's number five. The sleep spoken of here in these verses is addressing the state of spiritual slumber, not paying attention, being irresponsible. As children of the light, as children of the day, we do not want to fall asleep at the wheel. You do not want to be like a guard on duty who's taking a nap, right? These pictures are not right, and neither is it safe or responsible for us to be inattentive and unaware spiritually of where we're at and what's going on and what God's doing and God's perspective and God's mission for our life and his plan and his purpose and the steps for us to walk in. It's not good for us to be disconnected from our fuel supply. Not good. Not good. We don't sleep. We're children of the light. We don't live like people of the darkness anymore. We don't try to plug in or get energy from all these other um, things that do not fulfill and do not have life or light in them. Luke 21, 34 through 36 But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Tell me, with all the stress of 2020, has your heart been weighed down? Hey, take heed to yourselves. Do not let your hearts be weighed down. Take heed to yourselves. Travis, take heed to yourself. Lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. Verse 35, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always. Stay alert and clear-headed. Watch and pray always that you might be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Don't fall prey to the traps of the enemy, the trip hazards, the deceptions. So many deceptions. To rob us of our faith. Attack our belief or our trust in God. Temptations. There's always that desire for more material wealth or opportunity or position or power. Offenses. When we are offended, that is a trap of the devil when we take advantage Offense is something we let a seed of bitterness or resentment start to grow in us. So dangerous. We're children of the light. We don't allow those seeds to go down and start taking root in our heart. We forgive as God forgave us, and we give vengeance to God. God, you, you're the judge. You're going to make all. You're going to balance the scales. You know what's best. You know people's backgrounds. You know everything. I, I see a sh- small amount of things. I feel very offended. I give that to you, God. My identity is in you. You're my provider. You're the one that places value on my life. I'm not going to get weighed down by that. The parable of the seeds is a great parable about seeds, the gospel falling on different people, and some are choked out by the cares and concerns of this world. They get so wrapped up into those things that it just it suffocates and extinguishes the faith that many appear to have initially. Persecution. Are we going to bend under persecution? Bend, maybe, but not break. If we go undergo persecution or mockery or or much worse than mockery, you know, and um, is that enough to take our faith from us? You know, as children of the light, we look, we think, we act differently than that of the world. Um, it is it is easy in our culture today to be brainwashed. Don't get brainwashed. We don't want. We can't. We got to stay alert and clear-minded. We can't just sit in front of devices all day long and be brainwashed. We can't do it. As children of the light, we got to stay alert and clear-minded. That that is that is. That's like a king rolling around in the mud with the pigs. He he forgot who he was. He forgot the power and the privilege that he has, and all of a sudden we're rolling around with too much screen time, and we're being brainwashed, and our hearts are growing cold, you know? How does um, Ephesians 5, Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, a letter here, Ephesians 5, 8, and then we'll also look at verse 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. You are children of light. Act like children of light. If I got a promotion, if I work for some company as a lowly person, and I got promoted to the CEO, but all I ever still did was what I did initially, What's up with that? You know, I have great privilege and I have great compensation but I'm not receiving the compensation or doing the things. I look much differently. How about, um, well, let's talk about uh, how the world lives. What governs their behavior? Tell me if the following doesn't describe accurately um, our present culture. So our present culture is spiritually apathetic Spiritually dead. Our current culture seeks immediate gratification. It seeks fleeting pleasures. If it feels good and I can get away with it, go for it. Right? Our current culture prioritizes stability and safety and control and comfort. They cling to their life, their health, their possessions. They cling to the, those are the most important things. Possession of power, position, prestige are to be strived for. The world, the present culture is continually preoccupied with world events, with entertainment, with their portfolio, their bank accounts. But always oblivious to the things that matter most. Their relationship with God. Faith, hope, and love. Repentance, holiness, purity, honesty, real honesty, humility, brotherly love. That's a picture. Now as children of the light and children of the day, we are to function differently. Look at some of these descriptions of the children of light. We're not apathetic. We don't put it on cruise control. We're not tossed about by the cultural tide. We don't fall for the deceptions, the temptations. We don't break under the persecution. We don't live defeated lives. When we fall down, we get back up. We have hope. We walk by faith regardless of what our circumstances look like. We place more weight on principles than on feelings more weight on God's promises because our feelings are fickle. They're ever-changing. God's word and his ways are steadfast and trustworthy. So we cling to that. We rely upon his spirit. We love God. And we love people. Um... Who enjoys having a day off? A lot of us like Saturdays. Um, Do you hate having a vacation? Let me rephrase that. Do you enjoy vacations? Yeah. We need to have days off. It's biblical to have a day off every week, at least a day off. It's biblical to have Times out. You should you should get away for at least a week, and maybe a couple weeks every year. You should get out of the bubble, and our body needs physical rest and recreation, and refreshing, and our mind does. But friends, we can't afford to take spiritual vacations. We can't say, ah, uh, I'm not gonna pray this day or this week. Or read my Bible. I'm not going to go to church this month. I'm not. Guys, we can't afford to take spiritual vacations. Physical vacation is great. We can't check out and say, I'm going to take some time off from God for a while. We can't do that. One night, um, I was reading, uh, we were reading in the Bible with my kids, and we read Matthew 25, 13. And, the verse is this, it's, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. That night, my, my boys stayed up all night watching out the window. <laughs> they wanted to be ready in case he was coming. They're like, it, says, it said that, it says, watch therefore, because you don't know when he's coming. So I had a couple of my boys, they stayed up all night long. I didn't know this until later on. They said they were watching out the window to see if Jesus was coming back. Our hearts should be watching. Our hearts should be watching. Our hearts should be in tune at all times throughout the day, you know? We're doing many things throughout the day, but we need to be in tune and our hearts need to be watching. We can't afford to binge anything. You know, we can't binge drugs, alcohol, but even sports or entertainment or news. We can't, we shouldn't binge work or school. Because we'll lose our mental confidence and clarity. We need to be at all times aware of God's great love for us and his call upon our life. Because it can get foggy real quick when we get brainwashed. So we have different pastimes that we enjoy. That's great. But when we pass a th- certain threshold, we become intoxicated. So watching the news a little bit, sure. Watching sports, awesome. Checking your Facebook, checking up on a relative or something, okay. But when it's too much, we can become intoxicated. We can have hangovers. We're not staying alert and clear-minded. Spiritual truths become hazy and unclear. They seem distant or foreign, and that shouldn't be, you know. I'm speaking to myself here. I know, I can tell when I've, it's been like, oh, that was too much screen time in the last two days. It's like, it's just too much. It's like, some's okay and it's fine, but it's, it's, it's gotten beyond, I've kind of lost control of the time spans that I'm tuning into. And that's, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying, that's too much. You're getting a little cloudy. You want to be clear-minded. You're a child of the light. You're a child of the day. That's, that's okay to look at some of that. That's fine. But you know what? You're a child of the, you're above that, man. Right. Yeah. You're bigger than, that. God has a plan. He's got love for you and he's got a plan. Don't, don't roll around in the mud. So Romans, uh, Paul wrote exactly about this, about being intentional with these types of things in Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time, That now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, say make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I had a friend who took that Literally, as we all should, make no provision for the flesh. My friend, he said when he, when he was a teenager, he would end up watching TV way too long. It would be 2 a.m. in the morning and he was still watching TV. And he thought, <clears throat> and some of you are like, oh, I do that too. <laughs> we all have our things, huh? He, 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 would, he would watch TV until 2 o'clock, but he recognized that that wasn't healthy for him. And he felt like his mind was getting clouded and that wasn't God's best for him. And so he read that verse, make no provision for the flesh, and he thought, oh, okay. So he unplugged the cable from the TV, and he rolled up the cable, and he put the cable way out in the garage, all Right? He took his remote for the TV, because he thought, it's too easy when I'm, when I'm tired or when I'm bored, it's too e- all I have to do is go, boom, and the TV's on. It's too accessible the proximity is too close. It's right next to me. I, I don't want to make provision for the flesh. This is too easy. So he took the batteries out of the remote. He put the batteries in one bedroom. He put the remote in another bedroom. And he unhooked everything he could. And so by the time he did that, he said, Now if I want to watch TV, it's going to take me five minutes to find everything and reassemble everything and put it back together again. And he said, within that, that five-minute period, well, first off, when I start thinking, I'm, I'm already tired or kind of, I'm like, I don't want to go through all that work, put that together again. Or even within that five minutes, he might have time to reconsider and remember alternative options that he has available to him that are much better than just getting bogged down. That was so cool. And it's just so practical. Um, not only did he do that, he applied the inverse of that scripture. So what I mean by that is instead of making provision for the flesh, he started making provision for the spirit. And where his remote used to be, he set his Bible right there. So when I sit down on the couch here, it's like, oh, my Bible's right here. Maybe I'll read a little bit. He's making provision. He, he downloaded a lot of audio sermons. So he had, at the push of a button, he would be hearing sermons. And he's, he started reprogramming his brain and living as a child of light. He is a child of light. Now he's, kind of li- now he's living and he's walking as a child of light. And he's living up. You know? Good example for us. Good example. Put godly things at your fingertips. Set yourself up for success. Be proactive and intentional a little bit to plan out how can I set myself up How can I make provision for my spirit and make no provision for just the carnal things of life? Proximity and accessibility is an issue. That's the problem with smartphones. God, man, we all have them, but that's the problem is that they're so accessible and there's proximity, they're right here. That's what's very difficult about them. Christian, do you have some great strategies or disciplines to combat screen addiction? Do you have some great strategies? I'm just going to give a whole bunch of ideas right now, and maybe one or two of them click for you, or maybe it makes you think of something other that you can do that will help you live um, God's plan for your life better. Ready? Here's just a whole bunch of ideas. Maybe have really long passwords that are random for some of your accounts. Like for your Facebook, or if you have another account that you have to sign into, I mean, maybe you have it on auto-sign, so it signs you in automatically. But if it's uh, otherwise, or you can undo that. Really long, where well, you actually have to like go and look it up before you can get on there. It'll probably take you a time or two to get the password in, right? Turn off notifications. You don't have to have notifications on. You say, I don't know how to turn them off. Well, take, some, take five minutes or ten minutes and learn how to turn off notifications so you don't have to know every time someone... Snapchats or Instagrams or Twitters or Facebooks, you. There are app blockers. Um, Freedom app, Moments app, Break Free app, App Detox. There's There's a whole bunch of apps that will block other apps and websites and keep you from being unproductive. There's other apps that will help you with time limits, so like after a certain amount of time, it will tell you you've been on Facebook for 10 minutes, or it'll cut you off at that time, or it'll shut down your, your internet, and you'll have to log back on or something. But just little things that might help us trigger or remember, we need help, we all need help. Um, get rid of apps on your homepage, or icons on your homepage. Make it a little more difficult. Make things a little more difficult for your flesh, for you to go in a rut. You don't need to go in a rut. That's, that's what we do, right? Humans, we are prone to go into ruts. And it's hard to get out of ruts. Have you been gorging yourself on news or sports or entertainment? Maybe take a two-day break. You know, take a two-day break for a while. That's what I found helpful sometimes when I feel like, oh man, I'm definitely aware that I've overdone it. Like the last couple days or this week, it's kind of progressively, I'm, it's getting too much. Take like two days. The first day is, for me anyway, the first day is very hard because I have muscle memory already trained to, at any key moment, okay, I'm going to go to the news station. Oh, I'm going to check sports. And so all of a sudden, I'm ready to do that. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to take a break from that today. My muscle memory is saying, do it. Go. I don't know what else to do. Very difficult. It's like stopping any addiction. What do I do with this spare time when normally I would check in, right? Um, The second day seems to be a little easier for me than the first day. And maybe that's me. But two-day break, it seems to be enough for me to at least kind of get back on the right amounts where I can have some self-control again. Uh, If purity is an issue, man, alive, you know, most people, a lot of people deal with um, purity struggles online. Install filters, download, subscribe accountability software. Our church promotes Covenant Eyes. You can have it for 24 bucks a year. It doesn't come to us. It goes directly to Covenant Eyes. You have online accountability uh, with a friend or anybody that you want to have reports sent each week of your internet activity. And every page and everything that you've seen, it'll flag things that seem out of line or compromising. Really cool. More ideas. This is just to get us thinking. Move the computer out of the bedroom into the family room or the living room. Right? So now it's not in secret and things are out in the open. It's just less temptation. I know a guy that was a a gambler, um, had a gambling addiction. He started to recognize the full effects of his lifestyle this is when I was living in, in Minneapolis. And he had his wife call and cancel all of his subscriptions, change all his usernames, his emails, erase, block all these websites, um, throw away anything that was connected with gambling, uh, don't, don't leave coupons laying around the house for the casinos, got rid of those, deleted contacts, and that's, that's a big move. That's a big move, but he deleted certain contacts in his phone that he knew if I hang out with those guys, we're gonna to go to the casino. That's a big move, but for him, in guarding his heart and his mind and wanting to be the person that God had him to be, that was a move that he decided to make. Develop new friend circles. Yeah, it can be a lonely process. That can be a lonely process, but changing community is one of the most powerful helps as far as your circle of pures. You getting bored with these ideas? Like, get on with it? It's just we're supposed to stay alert and clear-minded. We're of the light, so we look differently, we walk differently. We have different options before us. We can even replace okay options with better or best options. A friend of mine says, when I sit down to... um, to watch something on the screen time or TV or something, maybe there's a list of things to watch. And I'll say, I always try to watch, um, this is what he says, I try to watch the best thing first. Like if there's a few options, he's, he's a fisherman, he likes fishing. He goes, if I have an option bef- between a fishing show and a sitcom, I just feel like the fishing show is going to be a little more wholesome as far as language goes or, of course, joking. Or, so I'll watch the fishing show. And so that was a, a better Uh, Option, and so he does that. Find things that are not bad. um, Oh, replace with playing ping pong. Play ping pong, go on a walk, hang out with other guys. uh, Guys, (laughs) girls hang out with other girls. We lack creativity, we're kind of brain dead. We get into ruts, and we lack creativity, and we're kind of brain dead. One of the most important things for us to do is to determine replacement resources, plans, and actions. If we just try to cut something out, and addicts know this, that leaves a void. What do you do with that time? What do you do with that space? And you end up going right back to addictions. And God knows that, and he's given us great principles in his word. We need to replace certain things with more wholesome alternatives. Make or update your spiritual plan. Do you have a spiritual plan for yourself and for your family? In just a minute or two, we're going to give everybody an opportunity just for two, three minutes to to allow God to give us ideas and to strategize making provision for the Spirit. God, is there a good idea or something I could implement that would help? And we're going to write down some things, just on your note sheet there. Make some notes to yourself. Do you have a set time to meet with God? If you don't have a set time, if it's not scheduled, you won't do it. But I can never seem to find the time. Exactly. You have to make the time. Time doesn't come running up to you and say... Here I am. Time to read the Bible. No. <clears throat> One thing you might consider doing is, is download some pre-recorded preaching or worship to your devices, so you're set. If you have a commute in your vehicle, you could be listening to something that actually sharpens you, encourages you in the Lord, or is truthful. you know? Make it easy for yourself. You know, if it's going to take three clicks, you probably won't do it. If you can get it down to one click, then it might happen. Make spiritual provision. Make it easy. Don't make it too... If, it's, if you have three steps to make something happen, it's not going to work. One of the best spiritual provisions that you could maybe do is go to bed at night. Man, I got into such a great rhythm back when we started having the kids... Um, I started going, Cassie and I started going to bed right after the kids. We lay the kids down and then we go to bed. It was awesome. That's abnormal for us and it's kind of abnormal again for us because then we stay up and we start working and we get on doing different things. That was so good when I just replaced all of this screen time with bed and I got a good night's sleep. That was awesome. We shoot for that. Say no to things in life. If you're too busy, say no to things. Write down some things you're going to say no to, maybe in the next couple minutes. Write down some things to say no to. Adjust your living. Maybe a smaller house and a less mortgage isn't a bad idea. We all fall into ruts, but we're to stay alert. And let's finish with Ephesians 5.15 through 21. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Intentionally with thought. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Not wasting it, but redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God has so much for us that he would desire, that he would love for us to know about and learn and walk in. Great things. Great things. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Do you do that? Like, I'm not a singer. Do it anyway. It says to do it. Try it out. God says to do it. Speaking to yourself. Do you speak to yourself? Hey, self. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speak to God during the day. Speak to the Lord. Sing to God. Little things. Giving thanks always. Thank you, God. You are with me, Lord. Thank you, you are my provider. Thank you for your plans and purposes. Thank you for your kingdom ways that are so trustworthy and true and noble and upright. It's good, all your ways. Your character is good. Your plans for me are good. Your promises. Thank you, God. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the opportunities I have. Thank you for using me, Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourself to one another in the fear of God. Silence and solitude is a lost discipline for us. You know, we don't know how to do it. I encourage you just now in the next two, three minutes to strategize, let God strategize through your mind right now to think of ideas of things you can do. And when you wake up in the morning... The first thing you do would not be to load your mind up with your emails, load your mind up with news. We stress ourselves out within three minutes of getting out of bed. We're already stressed out for the day. This could be your day, my day. Let's ask God, let's make a big move today. Let's not leave here without determining what big move God might have for you to make. God, I thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us.